Welcome back to another edition of the Hooper's Almanac. On today's episode, we welcome our friends again from Game Blouses, Andrew Carlson and Cara Baltimore, to talk about their respective favorite teams, uh, the Washington Wizards and the Minnesota Timberwolves, in the middle of each respective conference right now, trying to figure out where things stand. Obviously, the Timberwolves coming in with high expectations and the Wizards, the usual, uh, you know, mediocrity expectations. So we're going to be breaking down both of their favorite teams and then talking the NBA more generally. I got a hot take for our finals prediction, as always, which we share uh, when we have guests on. So looking forward to sharing that as well. Um, Hope you all had a great Thanksgiving. And before we get going, let's bring in our friends from Green Top. We are back another edition of the hoopers almanac and our friends from game blouses are on here once again carl and carl andrew carlson and carl baltimore um lovely to have you guys on again welcome back to the show um i know we're going to be talking about your respective teams on today's episode the timberwolves and the wizards but um generally just wanted to open up to you guys and you know welcome back onto the pod ha- happy to have you back great to be back on thanks for thanks for having us playing a little bit sick today that's when we do our best work though and uh <laughs> no let's let's go i i just got i just got done watching the wolves get run off the floor by the warriors so i'm, I'm even sicker to my stomach let's do it. <laughs> i'll say i'm not physically sick but i am looking at the uh the wizards right now trailing uh to the celtics here so i'm a little sick just like him so maybe put my flu game my flu game thing together uh <laughs> you guys today but always a pleasure to be on well, and the other thing is, is the the Celtics are without Jason Tatum. Need to just really point that out to you. So that's no help for you on that side. Uh, before we get into basketball, how was the Thanksgiving, Carl? Let's hear from you first. How was the Thanksgiving? Oh man, Thanksgiving great. You know, got to number one see uh, see a bunch of family I haven't seen in a while. A lot of good, uh, a lot of good things going on there. Um, personally, I had one of my you know the pre Thanksgiving uh, hoop session that went pretty well. You know, got to get the cardio good. in before the big meal. So <laughs> nothing, you know, can't can't complain about that. So I had a good one. There you go, Carlson. It was good. Spent it down in uh, in the St. Louis area with my now fiance's family. It was uh, it was good time. I would have hit you up, Mitch, but I was really only there for like forty eight hours. So I'm kidding. Just, I I figured you if you're two days. I figured no, if I you know, were here. I, no, trust me. It's uh, that was a tough reveal, but I, I did have. <laughs> preface it with with being only there 20 like about 48 hours yeah good it was a nice change of pace this year because turkey was smoked it was not normally when i am at home uh my my family insists on a baked turkey which maybe gives you a little bit of perspective into how my plate looks (laughs) come meal time but it was great it was great this year i was i was a big fan of it and uh and yeah no it was it was a happy thanksgiving on that on that note we know your favorite teams but what is your favorite dish at Thanksgiving, it sounds like the baked turkey is at the bottom of your tier, Carl. But um, <laughs> too dry. What's what's your favorite? Sweet potatoes. Oh, get out of here! Interesting. Best, man. Okay. You, if you don't if you don't like them, you haven't had the right kind. Like you haven't made them right. You haven't prepared them correctly. Listen, my dad. I mean, my dad makes some great sweet potatoes, and everyone loves them. I just can't get into sweet potatoes. I am just oh a no, not a sweet potato guy. And I know that's not a good look. I, I'm more of the basic mashed potato guy as a as a cliche. But or my mom makes these seasoned like self rising rolls, which are just godsend. So that's my that's my go to. Uh, Carl, what about you? Oh, for me, it's ham. 
Ham. Gotta go ham. Yes. Big ham guy. Huge ham guy. Yeah. Yeah. So it's so it's always like, do you, does your family do ham or turkey? And my family always does turkey, but every once in a while we will we will do a ham. And that's like by far the best situation. So I totally agree. Um, I just my, my family just doesn't make it enough for me to say that. So I'm a big stuffing guy. Uh, I think I think that's got to be my favorite. We my dad's side makes brisket with the turkey. Like they also do a a brisket with the turkey. And my aunt just kills it. It's incredible. Um, What we did do for turkey this year, though, was my brother's fiance did a bacon wrapped turkey and Mm. like for uh, for our mom's side. And it was fantastic with like some other I don't know what she did in the inside and everything. I'm not going to ask those questions what she did to the bird. (laughs) But like on the outside, you could see the bacon on the outside. Humana, that was fantastic. Yeah, that sounds really, really good. Yeah, no, that that's that's always a win too. And then obviously you got to have a good dinner roll with it. And and oh, yeah. I like to take the gravy mm-hmm. bowl and just dump it all over the bowl. <laughs> too. So that's that's a nice that's a nice thing to have have on the side. Will you will you have? It's just it is. It's a sample plan. You just take a little bit of everything, and everything is good. I don't, don't necessarily think one thing is worse than the other. I happen to be a little bit lower on stuffing than you, Aaron. But uh, yeah, but no, it it it's it's good stuff. There you go. Well, love it. Well, um, we know we know we. We love we love Thanksgiving, but we love basketball a bit more on this podcast. Um, and and starting out West, Car- uh, Andrew, with your team, Minnesota, this is a team that we were high on earlier in the year. Um, win total was set up in the high 40s, 48 and a half, I believe, 49, um, depending on where you looked. And this is a 500 team right now. You, you just said it. They're coming off of a bad, bad loss today. It seems like it's been really up and down. Um, social media has had the rounds trying to investigate what's happening with team chemistry, which I think is just a product of wherever Rudy Gobert goes at this point, something's <laughs> going to happen. But Anthony Edwards, who I think was like the, the, the knight in shining armor, uh, for a lot of fans in Minnesota, I'm sure yourself is now also being criticized for work ethic. We've had some sound bites with cat here and there. Um, I know you cover the team a lot. You go to the games quite frequently, what is your sense of where the team is right now, given this slow start? I think I think the most frustrating part is, I think contrary to what a lot of people say, the game on Wednesday against Indiana was, I would say some have said the most complete game under Chris Finch. I don't know if I would go that far. I think it was for sure one of the most complete games under him, though. Um, it, it was a good good performance on the defensive side of the ball, really solid on offense. Whenever they got punched, they punched back, uh, solid beyond the arc i think there have been a couple of main problems one has been shooting the basketball like just flat out shooting the basketball uh last year four and nine start they were one of the lowest teams in the league in terms of open and uh wide open shooting percentage uh from beyond the arc started out about the same this year um and i and i think you know shooting is kind of one of those things that it, it comes back around a little bit and we saw that on the five game win streak um they beat up they, they beat some pretty beat up teams like they had the Sixers, while well, they had Embiid, they didn't really have anybody else. Um, but obviously, the Pacers were pretty full staff. I think. So I think shooting was one of those things. And then, and then two, it it is. It's it's the actual like want to win a basketball game. Uh, I think you saw on on Friday against Charlotte, like that was just like complete disrespect for the opponent. In the NBA, you can't really do that. You can't just roll the ball out there and expect to expect to win games. You have to rebound the basketball, get out in transition, defend the perimeter. Um, and, and there are some times where they have just shown a complete not want or lack thereof desire to to do that. So I think their problems are really twofold. I, I think there are some things that will kind of hammer themselves out. Like, I, I think for the most part, the, the lineup has congealed around Rudy Gobert. I think the inverse now has to happen where Rudy Gobert has to congeal around the lineup. Like, know when to expect the basketball, like on the pick and rolls. Um, like when he's open, like when he gets those deep seals, like underneath the basket, like 
get in position, catch the ball, put it up and make a decisive play. I think sometimes like they, they're not passing and then sometimes they make too many passes. So um, there, there is, there is kind of a feeling out process. I think the, there is good basketball still yet to be played. And there, there was a window um, in the last few games that, that we did see it, but it is, it is, it's going to be an inconsistent effort on a night to night basis until they just start figuring each other out a little bit more. So um, I, I think it's, I think it's twofold um, and, and uh, chemistry issues, like maybe, I don't know, like in, in terms of like them liking each other or not liking each other, like there hasn't really been anything super glaring at this point that I would say has, has been a problem. Like the Popeye's thing was, was overblown. Like, mm -hmm. I, I think like shortly after Kat said that, like he, he also took the blame and like said that the blame is like a lot to go around. Um, and, and like there is, there's, there's stuff that just gets taken in sound bites and, and it is, it is blown a little bit out of proportion. Um, but yeah, it's, it's something like, and, and the other thing too, is like the, the assist from Anthony Edwards, Rudy Gobert, like there was the tweet out about right. how there were only like four assists from, from Edwards to Gobert all year. And then he had two alone in the Pacers game. So like, like so that stuff's going to happen. Like chemistry takes a little bit to come around and, um, and, and, and who knows, like it, I, I can't, I can't predict the future, but, but there will be good games that will be played and there will be shots that will be hit. And there are going to be times where it's like, okay, this team can be a top five team in the West. So, mm -hmm. um, so it is, it's, it's, Right now, it's 50-50. Like, who are you going to get? I, I want to follow up on the point you made about Rudy Gobert. And I think we know a lot about him at this point. I mean, he's, you know, well into his NBA career, probably on the back half even, how long he's been dominant. I think defensively, he's still that guy. Rebounding, he's still that guy. But I think we already know all of the different deficiencies he has on offense. And you mentioned when he gets in a good position, it's a matter of putting the ball up or being in a mindset to put the ball up or even just setting yourself up for those situations do you think that's something that can actually happen like do you think that is possible with Rudy Gobert because we haven't really seen that in the past like every time we want him to do more offensively he either refuses to um, or he has like one game out of nowhere where he scores 25 30 I think he had one of those in the playoffs last year but then he just disappears the next game so do you think that is possible on a consistent basis for him in this offense yeah, again, I think it just kind of goes back to the feeling out process. And in, in Utah, they ran exclusively spread pick and roll with him. Like every single possession, like that he got a bucket, he didn't really get baskets in any other way. It was all spread pick and roll. And they just beat it to death. Uh, now in Minnesota, Finch wants to kind of move him around from block to block, uh, get him up at the elbows a little bit. He gets the ball above the break a lot and is able is kind of like the Draymond Green roll and a lot of these dribble handoffs and and they kind of create some pick and roll action out of that. Um, so so. Again, I I do think that is the case. There's also a lot of film that's out there of him getting those deep seals on on smaller on smaller bigs and and being in an advantageous to put the ball up and just not getting the ball. And and again, there the Wolves had the same problem at the beginning of the year last year where it was like your turn, my turn, I'm going to take ISO, you take ISO. And and they're still kind of doing that. Like there's games where it's oh wow, it's incredible ball movement, and there's actual trust that you'll get the ball back at the end of the possession. And then there's other times where that completely dies, and that's that's not the case. And people who should be getting the ball don't get the ball. Um, and and when when that when the opposite does happen, and and you are feeding the ball to the correct people, and Gobert is getting those deep seals, and and he's he's getting those advantageous switches. I mean, you see a lot of those like 21 and 15 stat lines. And those 22 and 20 stat lines, like 21 and 20, yeah. I think he went against the Lakers. So um, so that's that's one thing. I think the other thing, too, that's been really um, 
that's that's kind of been a problem and i know that's this is kind of diverting a little bit away from your question but but one point that i wanted to make that i didn't really make in the opening but just guards like d'angelo russell and anthony edwards have been tremendously horrific off the ball (laughs) this year they have they have had tendencies to lose their man left and right that gets markedly better when jordan mclaughlin gets in the game um he's kind of just a winning basketball player and goes for loose balls um but Rudy Gobert can only do much, so much on the defensive glass when you know opponents are putting up, you know, thirty-three point attempts or however many it may be. You have the long rebounds go out, and and Anthony Edwards has no nobody like he didn't find a man after the shot goes up, or, or the same with D'Angelo Russell. Uh, and so, so that's another that's another uh, prong that that I could kind of divert off of. Well, the other thing I wanted to say, even about your opening, was you brought up there are nights where the Wolves just don't. When I they against lesser quote unquote lesser teams in the NBA, they don't show up. I feel like this speaks to the talent level that is here in the NBA right now. How good the NBA is currently. I don't think Aaron and I were talking about it earlier this year. We don't think there there, there might be one or two really bad teams. The Rockets being one of them, and just trying to even think about another one of those bad teams. Just like the teams that have already started to tank, Hornets haven't hit that spot yet, and so. There, I think to come out flat-footed against any of those kind of teams that you think you can quote that quote unquote count as lesser is just not what you should be doing, especially as a as like you said, a team that should be like a top five team. And so, I guess my question is, what is it? Is it worrisome about the drive of your your best players when it comes to Anthony Edwards or even Cat uh, when it comes to like those kind of games? It is worrisome, honestly, uh, because I think you lost a couple players in Jared Vanderbilt and Patrick Beverly who. We're kind of the engine last year in that. Um, but the, like the thing is, is, you know, I, there are glimpses of Anthony Edwards being that player. Like this mm-hmm. team has gone as Anthony Edwards has gone this year. Like the Miami game when Miami was down everybody and still right. it, it was pretty much going for punch for punch. You know, Anthony Edwards is essentially silent. The first half, half comes back in the second half goes like 18, six and five on um, really solid shooting percentage. And, and you come back and win that game. And there, there wasn't really much of a doubt. Um, so it is. I, I think it is. It's 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 a mentality thing. Uh, I think Anthony Edwards can be that guy. Uh, Carl, like you know what you're going to get from Cat at this point. Like I don't think he's somebody. Like he's going to impact a team in a positive way, but I don't necessarily think that comes intangibly. Like he's going to be the guy that that catches the ball and 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 he's going to give you instant offense in the first you know three quarters of the game and maybe yeah. maybe close a game out if you're lucky. But um, but no, it, it is. It's it's shown so far that this team kind of goes as Anthony Edwards goes. I think Torian Prince is also a major part of this too, and kind of an unsung hero in what we do. And I say that like a little bit tongue in cheek, but um, you, the last he's been out the last two games, and and he's someone who spaces the floor with the second unit, and normally defends the when out there with the second unit defends the best player on the other team. So um, so that's also been that's also kind of a key cog in the effort too. I want to bring up you brought up Torian Prince. I also want to bring up last year when you said the Celtics should trade Marcus Smart for Torian Prince and uh, some sort of draft pick. And I wanted, I wanted to say, wow, we're trading a defensive player of the year for Torian Prince. What a, mm-hmm. what a selection that would have been. <laughs> I know. I know. Hey, it maybe should have happened. Uh, uh, I, I don't know. I don't know. How does five unprotected first round draft picks sound? You're going to give me five unprotected first round draft picks for, for Marcus Smart? That, that ain't already did that for a defensive player of the year. Why not? It's like Oprah at this point. <laughs> a, a little bit of overkill. And honestly, speaking of trades, there is the the, the elephant in the room. Uh, you brought him up earlier of D- D'Angelo Russell. And this was a guy during last year you were you were talking about wanting to have like that possible idea of trading him. 
Is he in uh, of your starting of your starters? Is he the one you're ready to give up on? And ready I, to well, I, on? he's the one that just clearly doesn't fit. I think right. like if I were if I were like right now, if there was a pure point guard in this lineup, like for example, if you could give me like a Chris Paul and you could replace D'Angelo Russell with Chris Paul right now, I think this team's record is drastically shifted um, mm-hmm. in 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 the positive direction. Just because there's not we need like I think there's there's a Goldilocks to the D'Angelo Russell and Jordan McLaughlin combo, like someone who doesn't take as many shots as D'Angelo Russell and someone who is a better shooter than Jordan McLaughlin. Uh, and someone who and tries think, as hard as Jordan McLaughlin does. Cor- correct. Correct. Like I think it, like D'Angelo Russell's shot making is something that other teams definitely need. Like I, he, he's not an, in, it's not like he's a not valuable player at this point um, right. I, in a trade. No, but I think to a team that needs shot making, yes, he is. Um, he just doesn't fit. He doesn't fit in the starting lineup. He takes too many shots. He's he's a little bit too selfish. He doesn't. He's not a catalyst for ball movement. Um, like Chris Finch's offense is is a little bit more free form. It depends on a uh, point guard that is fast, decisive, and can and can create ball movement. DeAndre Russell is pretty much the opposite of all those things. Um, and and kind of heading into the year, he was seen as someone who was going to be kind of the straw that stirs the drink. Like this team goes as D'Angelo Russell goes because he right. had a dive big in Brooklyn, Jared Allen. Now he has that in Rudy Gobert. He's a pick and pop big with Cat that that they were they were pretty good together last year. Um, and and it just it it just hasn't happened. And there's a lot of there's a lot of no pass possessions that happen. Yeah. Um, and so yeah, it, 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 the team gets better a little bit when Jordan McLaughlin is in the game or when D'Angelo Russell decides to change the mentality and every night you don't know what's going to happen with D'Angelo Russell. So I, I have one trade idea and I don't, there's no way I have to figure out the math on this and it involves you and Carl's teams. Do you want Monte Morris? <laughs> you know, I think, please. <laughs> <laughs> and, and like, that's, that's like where that that's where my conundrum is right now. Is like I don't really want to trade D'Angelo Russell because what you get back is just like another negative asset that's a high salary, and it, it, like how much better does that necessarily make the team right, right now? Like I don't necessarily think that does really really anything um, to make to make things better. Um, or you get somebody who's you know maybe a similar caliber or you or is seen as a solid value but you're taking on a more long-term contract and this right. team is already cap strapped. So, <laughs> and, and you have, you have Jade McDaniels that you have to resign pretty soon. You have Anthony Edwards to a max that you have to resign pretty soon. So you have to tread pretty lightly with that. And and I think right, right. now, like the best thing to do is just let D'Angelo Russell run out and, and, and free up whatever cap space you have. Use that mid-level exception on a ball moving point guard, like a Tyus Jones or somebody like that. Oh. Um, yeah, and 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 just and 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 see how and see what you can do. I, I think like t- like Tyus Jones, like I wasn't, I was, I could not have been more happy to see him go when he did go, but now I want him back so bad. <laughs> how about how about Trey Jones instead from the San Antonio Spurs? He's been killing it. Probably, I'm sure the Spurs would be fine, you know, dealing way more assets. I think he's yeah on the fringe top tier, top ten of assists right now. He's taking 11 threes a game, so that volume wouldn't transfer over, but he's shooting a high clip. Um, very similar build, obviously, to to what Trey could or what Tyus could bring you. They're the same player. Like yeah. both the Jones brothers are the same player. They they just built both of them in a lab. Um, just like <laughs> super like high assist to turnover ratio guys that are yeah. that are just really quick and can you know can shoot the ball in spots. Um, 
yeah, I, I mean, I would love Trey Jones. Like, just someone in that mold, like a pure, pure point guard. Like, that is what this team needs. Like, someone who can shoot the ball but isn't going to take up a lot of volume and can and can move the ball. And the other thing I'd like to point out, too, is there was a point in time Apple Valley High School, just south of St. Paul, had Tyus, Trey Jones, and Gary Trent Jr. all on the same team. They played uh, Jaleel Okafor's Whitney Young team, I think, one year on ESPN. And I think they ended up winning, but, yeah, that's that was, a, that's that was a, a pretty good team. That's a three-guard set there that's pretty tough to, to guard right there. Yeah, but you got to think. You got to think like Gary Trent Jr. was like going up against people who like look like me, so <laughs> he can pretty much play. He can pretty cooking. much play up through five. Yeah, <laughs> that's fair. So, I I I was gonna throw out one more potential name, and this actually might make more sense with the contract because I think Trey Jones is like one of the cheapest still decent the point contract. guards. In, yeah, right. How about you go back to your buddy Danny Ainge? You already made a blockbuster deal, and why don't you go get Mike Conley? Mike Conley, thirty-one million dollars or twenty-four million dollars right now. One more year under contract, top five in efficiency from a point guard perspective right now. Um, not a guy who needs shots at this point in his career either. And you have the leadership capabilities that we've we've seen over the course of his career. How about somebody like Mike Conley? Yeah, that deal's been thrown around a couple times, like a potential just like Mike Conley for Delo swap. And right, no, I I don't I don't hate that at all. Um, and and he actually does have like a stitch of perimeter defense still left in right. him. And and that's one thing where it's like you saw it today. Like I knew that the Wolves were going to lose today because they did not have Jaden McDaniels against the Warriors. <laughs> like that was going to be that like that was a certainty to happen. Um, but when you have like a Mike Conley, like that at least gives you something uh on the right. on the perimeter, not having you not have to hide your point guard uh on a nightly basis, uh, which is which is what which is what the Wolves are having to do. So Yes, I, I would. I would be very open to that. And honestly, well, yeah, I bet the Jazz would too. They're they're trying to they're like they're trying right. to lose so bad right now. Like Jordan Clarkson and Dilo would just punch each other over the ball in practice. <laughs> and it's one I, thing when like the Jazz were what they started ten and three or whatever it was, but right. now they're they've come back down to earth. They're going to be right. around the fringe. Like this is the time where it's all right. This was kind of a fun first month. Let's actually be realistic. Let's trade away some of these assets that aren't really going to do us any good in the next year or so and and see what D'Angelo Russell has too, and just let his contract expire there. I mean, that's like, yeah, he is see- Colin Sexton to me. Like I view those guys as a very similar piece. Yeah. You're seeing those, like you're seeing that happening right now, like regression to the mean, like Spurs, Jazz, like both mm-hmm. those teams are just kind of like, okay, like we had our fun in the first month and all right, now, now it's time for Victor. Uh, the Thunder though, are one team where it's like, I would not, I would not like, have a concerted effort to tank like you should actually oh, like try to win games oh. like don't, don't like this sga trade talk is so stupid like yeah why like that should not like be a thing that continues to happen but like I, that's that's off topic i i just think like yes correct the last two players you mentioned trade jones uh mike conley those are two teams that we should kind of prey on and in, in, in being able to look for other options trust me my brother being a thunder fan we've had the the conversation over and over again about how they should not tank and actually try to get into a playing game to like try to get these like guys some playoff like quote unquote playoff experience to see what they're actually built of because the only two guys on that team that have playoff experience are sga and dort and there was that bubble series against the rockets so maybe try to get them a little bit more than that well like as a timberwolves fan like i can tell you firsthand like like can trying to lose like continued trying to lose with young players like not a good thing like you don't right. want to build those habits like that's not yep. something that you want to do like don't don't do it don't fall into the trap and a team that hasn't been doing that the washington wizards they have not been they have been consistently <laughs> in that uh, not trying to lose stage Love for that. so often and which is i feel like 
landed you a bunch of eight eight overall picks. A few, a few too many of them. A few too many of them. However, not a bad start to year. And also, I kind of like how Porzingis is playing for you guys. And that's what I want to start with. How have you liked the so far what we've gotten out of Porzingis on this Wizards team? Oh, it's been amazing. Um, more <laughs> so because I didn't realize. I guess like the the Dallas situation was kind of weird for him. Um, I guess more so with the expectations of him playing alongside Luca, like coming to, you know, coming to DC. Like one thing we have seen, and you know, I like to go through, like even in the past when it comes to the uh, the first quote unquote DC big three of like Gilbert Arenas, Antoine James, and Cron Butler, right. where it's a place all those guys end up going with really not a whole bunch of expectations, and you know. Being able to have, you know, some of the higher level, higher level talent like on this team, like in this market, like you get a lot of freedom. And so seeing what Chris Dallas has been able to do, you know, just it seems like he's not playing, you know, with that weight on his shoulder of, you know, that he has to either like match up to Luca or anything else, or even going back to his status of the Knicks, like he just seems like he's finally playing free. And then the best part about it, and I'll knock on wood here, um, is help. Um, and not just the fact that he's been healthy, that it seems like from what I've noticed, the way that he's playing and the way that he's like using his body, that he's more conscious of what he needs to do and how he needs to play to stay on the floor and praying he gets at least 65 games in this year. <laughs> I would love to see that. Um, but that's been my biggest thing with him is that you, you can just see that he is a different person here um, on this team. Um, and then you get to play alongside against a guy such as, you know, like Bradley Beal, and then you also have the, the emergence of Kuzma too. So it's like it's a nice real <laughs> mesh for him to shine with his talent level next to these guys. I was just saying, you have three guys that are averaging 20 points a game for you right now with Kuzma, Porzingis, and Beal. It's a weird trio, but it works. It seems to be working. I mean, 10 and 9, it's not a it's not a bad start at all for your Wizards. And I do remember we were doing this about a year ago last year. We, we had you guys on to talk about – when the Wizards were in first place, so it's not a, it's not we're not to that standard yet, but still, yeah. I feel like this team is in a lot better uh, spot than it was last year. I think Porzingis, like you said, has felt a lot more at home and doesn't feel like he has to live up to the standard that Luca was uh, setting for him. What is what has been your biggest surprise so far for this Wizards team? All right, actually, so biggest surprises, um, I'll actually go with two. Um, okay, number one. Um, actually is the fact that Bradley Beal, um, is flirting around with the 50, 40, 90 club, which is insane. I mean, it's not, I don't expect it to happen throughout the, the course of the season, but he's really playing his most there now. basketball that I've seen. Yeah. He's there right now. Barely holding on my thread. I think by three point percentage. Oh, and, that, um, and his free throw is literally at 90. <laughs> and his free throw is literally, uh, literally at 90 right now. So he's playing some of his most efficient basketball. It's always a big topic of conversation when it comes to like, especially like through wizards, Twitter and wizards fans, you know, where it's like, yes, you would like to see maybe a little bit more volume out of a guy that, you know, is getting paid as much as he's paid, but, you know, seeing that he's buying into the system of what Wes Unseld is trying to build in DC is really big. Cause I don't really think we've had, I mean, we didn't really have that last year. There's some chemistry issues. I know there's a lot of issues with Spencer Dinwiddie when he was here. And so while I like the way, you know, I really like the, to see his progress and his maturity as a player where, you know, he understands what he has to do on a night in night out basis for this team to go ahead and win. And, you know, like sometimes, you know, you miss the big shot, but, you know, the earlier, um, early in the season, he had, a, you know, a couple of really good, you know, good clutch games here. He had one moment, I forgot uh, which game was that, when he, uh, he hit the uh, he would have been a go ahead floater just to come back down and have yeah. the Wizards, you know, lose to a buzzer beater. So like he is right where 
I think he needs to be for the way this team is set up to be successful. And it's really more so on that efficiency standpoint for him, where that's something where, you know, like I've never, never really, like he, he had some low years, like shooting the three ball, um, just at least compared to his ability where he had to go in and jack up all these shots for the Wizards. And right. now this is really showing that the team is a team. Like they finally have some, some options for him uh, to get going here. And then for another surprise, it's going to be Kyle Kuzma, just in general. Yes, sir. It seems like every single time I go to watch them play, he's added something new to his game. Every single time. Offensively, like it's, it, it really is amazing to see it because there's a point last year towards the middle of the season where you put together a stretch, I think it's about like maybe 10 to 15 games where like he was really looking like he, like the guy that he is now. Um, it's more so that it's the, the three level scoring ability from him is something that I didn't really see him like developing to the point where you're looking at him scoring like 20, 20 something a game in the NBA level. Like he kind of had it in Utah, but there are flashes of it that, uh, that like either his rookie or second year, I think in LA, but now it's just, it's that's, that's the, the main theme of what I'm going with is just seeing these guys play just some efficient, almost carefree basketball. Like they're having fun out there. And that's, that's really the number one thing. So those are my, my biggest surprises for the Wizards thus far. How, how are you feeling about, the off-season trade between the Denver Nuggets and the Washington Wizards. Are you are you just depressed? And have you like added more KCP posters to your bedroom wall? <laughs> so I'm definitely that uh that Wolverine meme where he's looking at the photo. Like, <laughs> yeah, at exactly, exactly. I just it's been really disappointing for me with Morris more so on the defensive end it's mm. he's had he's had a bunch of struggles and well to be fair the way the team's set up he's going to get a lot of responsibility guarding primary ball handlers and basically for the most part promoter scores for the wizards but we're just not getting the return that we got from him and then on top of that well barton hasn't really been you know really hasn't been the best like just he's been he's been will barton for the last four three couple years i mean his let's, efficiency let's is that. horrendous right it's now bad. he's he's just he's just, he's so just totally bad. i'm gonna get a type i'm gonna get a bucket type of guy off the bench instantly yeah, yeah. So. i i think the thing that makes it worse is you kind of see the way the Wizards have drafted the last couple of years i mean like in that position that they've been like you can look at like hey here's a couple picks where we missed this guy this guy this guy like i mean for example take it back to when Therese, Therese halliburton was coming out where Gosh. i was like yeah like this is a team that needs a point guard at, mm-hmm. let's draft a point guard and then we know we don't go draft another wing um, so like they've been taking their shots. I'll say Rui's been a nice, has been a nice, uh, nice addition. They're finally giving him the run that he needs off the bench, so he's doing well there. But like, like Kis- Kispert's playing well, but it's like they just they're missing another level of you know, like from they've been consistently in this place to draft someone that can take this team to you know maybe a little bit out of that. Hey, maybe we're fighting for that. You know, we're gonna be five hundred or fighting around that the entire year, which is why. Now we get to my number one disappointment, which is the way the Wizards have handled Mr. Davis. Oh, I was going to say, why haven't we seen your first overall? I mean, your first exactly. draft pick this year. What yes. is happening? So I was, yeah, I had to I had to ease my way into this one where the Johnny Davis pick is one of the most confusing things <laughs> for me as a Wizards fan. Number one, so as a player, you see him in college. So for me, I go, oh, it makes sense. Like, just from what I saw in college, like, oh, maybe if they want to use him this way, but it seems like the second they drafted him, they're like, we're going to turn this guy either into a point guard, like a pure point guard, or tell him to get in the corner and to go spot up, which were neither of the things that he did. 
and then him going down in the G League and then coming off the bench in the G League to quote unquote simulate his role that they want him to have. Do we do we know if he's a good player? Like I was down on Johnny Davis in college. I thought he just he performed well. Um, but honestly, that Wisconsin team had absolutely nobody. And he was the primary ball handler. He created the entire offense for them, shooting, scoring, passing, etc. Um, and he had a great season. But before that season, like he kind of came out of nowhere. It was similar to how Keegan Marie completely mm-hmm. blossomed in his final year in college, except I was higher on Keegan and he's also struggling in the NBA, but it was more so he could be off ball. And Johnny yeah. is solely on ball. And when you have guys like Bradley Beal, Chris Dops, the emergency of Kyle Kuzma, it's just too many mouths to feed. So, yeah. I mean, I think it's, I think that's a miss in terms of just fit in the top 10 or wherever they ended up taking him. I, I think there's number 10. something. Yeah, exactly. There's, there's always something to be said for taking the best available player and not focusing as much on fit. But I think when you got, you have that many guys already, uh, I think that's a pretty glaring mistake at this point for, for Washington. Yeah, I still think like a I still think like a Patrick Beverly role is there for him. Like someone because like when you watch him in college, like the way that he's able was able to navigate screens and like like be able to stay on the ball on defense, like those are translatable skills to the NBA. Like those are things that you can drop someone in the league and they can immediately play well on. And like he he does not have a like he has a motor that like does not quit. Like he mm-hmm. is he is the ultimate tryhard. So I don't know. Like I think like learning to play off ball like guards guards can learn how to do that like it takes time like guards i feel like now like i feel like now like bigs it used to be like okay bigs need like two to three years to get good in the nba now it's like okay now guards need like two to three years to get good now in the nba right and i just think there's like maybe a little bit of a learning curve on, on him needing to play off ball but i think like if, if he if he does become like a pat bev type like i i think that that is like that is a translatable role that he can bring to the table but but so the I question is but the question is can his ego let him get there like I think I think that's something to be said too when you're like the guy forever and then all of a sudden it's like can you be Pat Bev I mean <laughs> I think that's he, a, I mean, it's he, a lot he, to ask if you're getting he did grow a lot in college in the G League, your ego is going to need to take a hit like oh you're yeah, right I don't know yeah. what else where like where does it go from here like you're getting pulled <laughs> off the bench in the G League. goes up it only goes up from here but, I was just say there's not much there's there's not like, much more. Uh, but not much lower than you can get than the uh, bench of the NBA G League if you're trying to if you're getting if you're first year drafted. Um, so no, I do agree that there is there is not much lower to go. Yes, and then the thing is though, he is a player that you know you did say like did really come out of nowhere for that Wisconsin team, like known for being someone who at one point maybe wasn't the best guy here or there. Worked just you know worked his tail off, got a lot better, and I mean if he is that guy then that makes sense of why they took him there because that's what they want more than that product that they got from Wisconsin. Yeah, I I completely agree. And I thought his growth was impressive. And I think that in itself is always something that I think probably is intriguing to an NBA front office. Like this guy off the court or the intangibles are really appealing. But from a basketball perspective, like he was not really a good three-point shooter. That's where the NBA is going. Super ball dominant. Um Ego-wise, maybe not as concerning as some other high-level talent that we've seen in the past, but just generally, like, those two qualities, you're an inefficient <laughs> scorer, but you need the ball to score, is not an awesome combo. Um, so I'm just curious, Carl, considering where the Wizards are right now, um, I think they're, like, in that perpetual play-in range, which I think is where the franchise has been since the John Wall days of that peak. Um, where where do you go from here? Like, this team is clearly too good to tank at this point 
they're probably not good enough to actually make a championship run. Um, and you're going to probably be in that middle ground, late lottery, uh, just outside of the lottery in terms of picks. Like, how do you take the next step as a franchise? So the biggest thing is they have to commit to one way or the other. But the right. issue is here is ownership for a fact is that much against tanking. If they can get their extra couple of playoff games a year, they're fine. They have no issues with that. So I've always been at this crossroads where it's either you have to go ahead and make a deal. Right. Or you have to say, hey, let's just let's blow this thing up and start from the beginning. I think they need to finally realize that. Blow it's up time. time. It's time. It's time to blow it up. They need to. I, I mean, at this point, it's. But the issue with them is, I know they're going to be. Hey, like we're going to ride out Bradley Beal's contract, put these teams together, try it out, and then by that point, let it go. So they're really, like, I think what it needs, like, we need to take over, like, to get into the next level. Like the, the way that they want to have it set up is where they can have this competitive team and slowly add to it. Number one, they have to do what they haven't done in a while, hitting the draft, which. Is not happening. Like yeah. finding finding guys that are eh here and there or barely even making any rotation in the NBA. You know, it's been a consistency with the Washington Wizards uh, in the in the draft here, and that's the only way that you can get better from the way that they want to get better at this point. Where it's like, hey, we have these guys, you know, like we're okay. Like that's that's the way they need to do it. But if it's not happening that way, I think you have to blow it up. I, I want to say that if they trade. Our boy Kyle Kuzma, which I have very, I have a lot of stock in right now. I, I, I will not be happy. I, I think I, I, Aaron knows this very well. I predicted a Kyle Kuzma resurgence last year, and we've seen it come almost to fruition this year. So I am, I, I don't want him moved. I, I think this is perfect for him in Washington. Oh, I need him extended. Yes, yeah, extended for sure. Now, for the well, and that's for, and that and that's also my point is I would honestly be leaning on the sides of like. Try to see what you have here because you have Bradley be on a long term contract. He clearly has no interest in going anywhere else. If he's playing at the level he is now, like there aren't too many guys that can repeat that. Um, Chris Stops, I think at this point, was a really good investment by Washington. Kuzma's paying off, and you have depth um, behind that. I think you can probably get rid of a few pieces, probably, you know, ship back the Denver assets somewhere. Um, and, and, and see what you have. But I think Rui, Kispert, some other guys are talented pieces. Is it possible that like Washington could be a free agent destination for somebody? And then you, you know, just, just in case you can't really make that blockbuster deal. Cause I don't think you can part with those top three guys in Kuzma, Beal and Chris tops. If you really actually want to say, all right, we're going to give this thing a mm-hmm. shot and contend. So I think the issue is that it really hasn't been that much of a free agent right. destination in the past. And Trying to think about point guard, like it's it's got to be a point guard. Kyrie it's Irving, Kemba, Kemba Walker, baby. Kyrie Irving, oh. make it a shit show again in Washington. Oh man, oh man, you're you're gonna ruin if you don't already have chemistry don't, issues. Yeah. There, you have them now. I don't think I don't think Kyrie Irving should be able to work this close to the Capitol. National <laughs> <laughs> national security risk. Yeah, we don't we don't need that here. Um, but that's. That's what it is, and it's just that it, there has to be, like there, there's a, like there's a golden level of free agent that has to decide that they want to come down here, like with this, like there's enough potential where if you're looking at, you know, if you're a point guard and you're looking over like what's building over here, like it looks appealing, but then all of a sudden some other team goes and offers you this, and maybe you don't have to deal with, I don't know, there's there's just issues with players coming down here. I don't know what it is, but we just never get the marquee guy, and then the worst part is 
typically after that, the team goes and spends a bunch of money on guys that, you know, like, oh, don't, don't even take me back to, like, Jan Mahimi, Andrew Nicholson. <laughs> Gosh, we, I forgot yeah, Mahimi yeah. was a person. <laughs> so there was it was the whole it was the whole like, hey, we uh we have, we're gonna try to go after KD. That didn't happen, and there right. were other and you, spent this money on just anybody. Every and you every spent it on Markeith Morris. <laughs> yeah, I mean, every, every couple of months I see the KD thing, and I was like, all right, cool, he's from Washington, but does anybody think this yeah. is gonna happen? If that were to happen, I mean, we'd be we'd be a completely different story. I'm gonna list a few. I just looked up point guard contracts were up here in 2023. Uh, I think this is the right list. Let me see if I can list these off. Let me know if any of these names speak out to you, all right? Russell Westbrook. Bring him back. Bring, Bring him, him home. back. <laughs> Unrestricted free agent. Lord. Kyrie, Kyrie Irving. D'Angelo Russell. Fred Van Vliet with a player option, which maybe he'll opt in. Derek Rose. Patrick Beverly. Reggie Jackson. John Wall. That would be... Any of those names? Otherwise, we're getting <laughs> the depths of despair down there. So, <laughs> any like, of those guys? Hear, I just, I just love Russell hearing the John could, like be a decent basketball fit in Washington. Like, like he could be a decent basketball fit there. Yeah, yeah. I just, I, I, I just love hearing John Wall every single time. Just, it just makes me realize when I was like, you know, what we should do just ride out both of their contracts and see what happens. I don't care how hurt John Wall is or what happens, and they'd like. I'm just like, yeah, we're hitting that time where he's got some basketball left in him. I do wish that he was still in DC just for like the kid in me as a fan. Yeah, but, right. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I mean that that list is tough. The only guy that yeah. would be super appealing to me is Fred Van Vliet, but the odds yeah. that he leaves Toronto to me seem kind of slim, unless you just offer him a boatload of cash, which I don't know if Washington has. The rest of those guys have clear holes in their game or off the court issues to, to consider uh, with team chemistry. So, I, I, in terms of filling that point guard role. I, I don't know if that's going to be a next year item. Yeah, I, I was going to say you could you could try to find like some like bench guard somewhere, and uh, the, the place I'm thinking of is my own team, and I don't want to give up Derek White or Malcolm Brogdon, so I'm I'm good. Never, I, I know, but then I'm trying to think about what so, I would so want no from one. you. <laughs> so no one from me. You know, the, I would I would take Rui from you. Um, and I'd yeah, take, right. I'd take Derek Rui. White for Rui. I'll do that deal. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> And no, I I need someone else besides that, but no, yeah, I think that's that's the spot. The the point guard spot is the one that is the next step for Washington. I agree. So, just to tie a bow on Washington, um, I'd mentioned that I don't really think they're a contender this year. Um, I think we, we all believe that, Carl. Unless you're drinking the Kool Aid of some Bradley Beal fifty forty ninety talk, but what do you think the ceiling is for this team? Like, what is your desired outcome? For, for this season, after watching 82 games or whatever you do on a nightly basis, what <laughs> what do you want to see when the Wizards play their last game this year? Well, here, here's what it's going to be. We're going to somehow get we're gonna get into the playoffs of the sixth seed, win a playoff series, and then get swept in the second round. That is a successful <laughs> season for the Washington Wizards this year. <laughs> okay, so hold on. I'm putting the math together in my head. You're going to probably play either the Bucks, the Celtics, or the Cavs. So well, you choose between one of those three teams. You want to get swept. Uh, you want to beat. I go Cavs. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's probably the best of the three teams. You could probably the best chance that you have of those three teams. Yeah. So I don't. You know, I don't hate it. It, it feels well, good for me to beat the Cavs and, and you know, see Don, play off Donovan Mitchell. Exactly. For, yeah. Settling for parking lot jump shots. Yeah. Right. But then awesome. you got the opportunity of Karis Levert hitting forty points on you, and then it just really hurts your balls a little bit. Also true. <laughs> 
It's also true. A, a Levert Barton heat check battle is something I will be loving to see in the playoffs. Um, well, from a team that's, I think, where they are and where we thought they would be to a team that has surprised a lot of us in the East, uh, the Indiana Pacers, man. I I thought they had the potential to be the worst team in the Eastern Conference. It's early. We just talked about how there's a little bit of fool's gold early on in the season with some teams out West and the Jazz and Spurs and the Thunder even. Um, but as it stands now, the Indiana Pacers are fifth in the Eastern Conference. I've had um, the unfortunate outcome of betting against them a few times just expecting them to fall off planet earth and they just continue to have these nights where they can't be stopped offensively um i they their team has been circulated in trade talks specifically miles turner uh seems like every single year continued this year he's been asked about it there was even a sound bite i think from him in an interview with Woj that blew up but right now this team's just sort of chilling i don't think anybody expected him to be in the five seed uh andrew what do you think about Indiana right now? And do you think this is sustainable? I think it's just the biggest question. It's incredible, but it's not sustainable. And I think yeah. that like, it, I think one, it happens because Benedict Matern is incredible. Like coming off the bench, I, I and Carl and I talked about this a little bit on our pod, but um, I, I'm normally very down on like the athletic wing player that is seen as like a good defender coming out of school. That's normally picked around like the end of the top 10. Like I normally am just like, okay, that guy's probably going to take like a few years and like might be something. It, he is like right away, like the ability to get to the basket when his shot is not falling is, is insane. Like he is a really solid finisher and can draw contact pretty well. Um, the reason I don't think it's sustainable is like, like Miles Turner shooting 46% from three right now. Like that's not, yeah. going to be, like, there's going to be a, there's going to be a shooting slump there. And I think that's part of the reason that him and uh, him and Tyrese Halliburton are so effective on the court right now is because Halliburton really has like that tool in his belt where he can either roll to the basket and it's probably going to go, or he can kick it out to him. And there is literally almost a 50% chance that that ball is going to go through the basket. Um, <laughs> so no, I, I don't think the five C is sustainable. I think they can make like, they'll make the play in like for sure. Like, I, I don't think there's really any doubt about that in my head right now. And, and Tyrese Halliburton is really kind of the, the, the straw that, that stirs the drink. I think firsthand, I kind of saw that when, uh, the Wolves threw Jade McDaniels on him kind of was able to just clamp him all around. And, and that put a cut, like that was the cog in the Indiana offensive flow outside of Matern being able to get to the basket and, and being able to take them out of some slumps. Um, but, but no, it, it is. It's it's pretty fun. It, again, it's it's just a fun theme overall. Like Mitch, to your point earlier, like yeah, like there's gonna be injuries, and like that's normally going to be the competitive advantage that one team has over the other on a nightly basis in the NBA. But when teams are full, teams are full strength, it can really be a 50-50 shot. Um, right. in, in in who be too. But no, it's 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 fun. I don't think it's sustainable. I think Halliburton, if they continue to be like even near this pace, like he very much so should be considered an all star an all star conversation. Yeah. Um. But yeah, no, I, I think more than anything, their success is kind of like Miles Turner dependent. I, I like he, he, defensively, offensively, like that that piece for for Halbert would be able to, to riff off of. Yeah, Carl, and, do you agree? Sorry, Mitch. No, you're good. Go ahead, Carl. More so with them being surprising, but not sustainable. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Com- yeah. Completely agree with that. Where I mean, it's really down to I mean, just kind of like what that organization wants to do, in my opinion, I think like around the deadline, because I know they're going to hit some sort of like, they're, they're going to hit a slump. But like there's a point where I think they're, 
I don't want to I don't want to compare it to OKC in a way, but kind of that decision like this season where, hey, does it look like we're competitive enough to decide to to try to drop a little bit into the lottery or is it like we can actually make a run at this thing? I think they're going to get to a point where that becomes like a talking point, but then realize that there's some guys that they can get some value from and then really try to get into these next couple of draft classes. Um, so I think more so is that they're going to hit a wall and then eventually start making decisions that look like, hey, like we're in this for the long haul in the future, maybe not this year. Yeah, and and I think the answer to that test question is I would dump Miles Turner right now. Like I wouldn't wait any longer for statistical regression to come about. As you said, Andrew, capitalizing the fact that everybody thinks he's a 46 and a half point three <laughs> three point shooter right now, and he's a top 10 most efficient player in the NBA. We know Miles Turner's not that guy. I actually think he's been statistically a worse seen as a worse three point shooter than he is. I think every once in a while he has a really bad looking air ball, but generally <laughs> I think he's a great, you know, space floor spacer offensively and what he does defensively is good as well. But you maxed out his value right now at this point in time, and you can't get higher than that. He's going to walk GameStop this off season regard regardless. You have Tyrese Halliburton, you have Matherin, uh, and I, you know, you have some good pieces around him. Uh, realistically, best case scenario is kind of similar to what we talked about for the Wizards in my mind. Maybe you upset somebody first round, probably lose second round to one of those top couple seeds. Why why not just dump it right now and get as much capital as you can? Yeah, Aaron, your Benedict Maturin uh, pronunciation has to be much more French Canadian than that. It it just Maturin. has to be Maturin. Maturin. Maturin is what we kind of were rolling with on on game on on the pod. Yeah, uh, <laughs> I, 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 I like the T with the silent H. It just it has okay. just much more French Canadian. See, well, got to work on that. All right, I'll do. I'll do my best. Well, the other thing is, I think Benedict. I'm not even gonna try saying the French Canadian right. version of it. <laughs> um, it for me is like in the running for six man. Like at this point, without he's playing right now, I want to. I don't even know if there's been a rookie who's ever won six man. Uh, the only guy I can think of might have been Kevin McHale uh, on those early Celtic, like the early '80s Celtics teams. Um, but honestly, like. This team, I totally agree though with you, Aaron. Like, this is the East Coast version of the Jazz for me. Either find a way to one, find, move your pieces that need to get moved. Heald is a guy that needs to get moved, and, and Turner are the two guys that need to get moved. That gives you the opportunity to play these young guys like Jalen Smith more, who we haven't seen much of, especially after he got drafted by the uh, Suns. He's playing a lot more now on this Pacers team, and, and I'm surprised that that's the case. But you're also seeing we, we, you have the great comparison of. Halliburton is the Indiana's version of SGA to OKC. And like, I don't want to see as a NBA fan, I don't want to see Halliburton get sat like SGA was the past few years. But I also understand like, if you're Indiana, okay, we know what we have. We have the best, we have the the guy who's leading the league in assists, like a whole two assists. Let's try to, let's, let's get what we can get out of him and try to play him around that 65, 70 game mark and see what we can get out of him this season and see what we can surround them with in this in this coming draft because everyone wants to talk about uh, the Vicky sweepstakes for Victor Wembanyama and also you want to talk about Scoot Henderson but this draft is a lot deeper than just those two and I think this is one of the deeper drafts we've had in a while and so I'm excited about it and I'm excited because I want to see what the Pacers can get out of it plus the Pacers are the closest team to St. Louis and that's why I also just want to go see a fun team at some point so if they can do that as soon as possible that'd be great. But see, I kind of disagree with them being the Eastern, the East version of the Jazz, though, because okay. it's like they actually have like talent. Whereas the Fair. Jazz, it was like in the first month of the season, it was like 
hey man, like Lori Markkinen went 38 and 15 again tonight and hit another buzzer beating shot falling backwards off one foot. Like, <laughs> that's like that, like that happened multiple times. And it was like, okay, like what? Like, is he like, like a first team all pro? It's like, no, Lori Markkinen, <laughs> he's not going to be a first team all pro ever in our lives. Like that's not going to happen. Whereas like the, the Pacers, it's like, okay, like their best player is their point guard. And he on a consistent basis will go like 20 and 10. And like with that, you can actually like win games at a pretty True. decent clip. But I agree with you, Aaron, where it's like if you want to actually tank and like, and I do think they're in a position to do so, don't Miles Turner. Like get rid of him right Immediately. now. GameStop yep. stock last year, like I mentioned, like get Wall Street <laughs> bets, like, t- like yep. up at 138, dump them right now and like get rid of them and like don't look back. Get your assets and get Scoot Henderson or, or Victor if you, if you do end up getting that 33. Yeah. And nope. if they can get that low, because right now, Pistons and the Magic and the Hornets. The Magic and the Pistons are really depressing to me because I think I like a lot of their young talent. I'm not surprised that from the win-loss perspective, they're not doing as well as I think we would like to think. The Hornets are in an awful spot right now just as a franchise, but I think the rest of those teams could be better than the Pacers. They would at least be like a bottom four team in the East, guaranteed, if they got rid of Miles Turner. I think the comparison is, I think you mentioned this, Mitch, is OKC. Uh, yeah. to, to what could be in the West, like SGA versus Tyrese. Because I do think Tyrese is a number one guy, potentially. Like, I think he has that capability, certainly like an upper echelon number two at, at worst, I think. So right. it, they have that piece to build around, unlike Utah. Utah's still searching for that, like you said, Carl. So I think if you can, if there's a number one guy in this draft also that you can get in the top two guys you talked about or an awesome number two, it's way more worth it than holding, trying to hold on and, you know, make sure your fans are happy and all that shit, which maybe matters more to a small market like Indiana um, than it would, you know, in L.A. or a Boston or a big market like that. So my question is, for I'm going to start with Carl here. What team could use Miles Turner the most? Me, Carl, or, or uh, Carl Baltimore? Uh, use Miles Turner the most. <laughs> I think here actually this is actually kind of a tough one for me to hear. Um, there's the e- there's the easy answer of the Lakers, which everyone wants yeah, to throw I, out there. I don't there. I don't want to say it. I, I no, just, but I I, I think just, there's I, a, I, I think there's two others that are already I think two that stick out in my mind. What about Carlson? You got one? I don't know. I just I think like the Lakers thing is a little bit tired just because like Anthony Davis is playing at such a high level right now. Yeah, he's out right. of his like, mind right is now. That, is that is that your guy? Like, no, I think you need people who can shoot. Like, I think you need wings that can shoot the basketball, like not another big to play next to Anthony Davis. Like, yeah. Anthony Davis is right. defender. Like he looks incredible right now. Yeah. Um he heard our last, in terms our last of, like, pod. In terms of, like places that would fit. Like Dallas really needs someone who can play defense. Uh that's that was one of my that was one of my two. Christian Wood's unplayable right now with Luca in big spurts because he can't play defense. Like he is like offensively, he is he's the perfect ideal fit, but he can't play defense. And Miles Turner is kind of like Christian Wood that can play defense. So yeah. I don't know. That's kind of the team that immediately comes to mind. That 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 was one of my two. It's unbearable to watch Christian Wood in like closing minute, like quote unquote closing minutes because he doesn't play him that often because he can't play defense. He can't stay in front of people, and that's what the I've seen so many teams take advantage of this guy who can't stay in front of wings. And then on offense, yeah, he can, he's been a great counterpart for Luca and that's what they've needed. But there are some nights where it's just empty, empty stats. And like, it doesn't seem to show up. It can show up on a box score, 
but it doesn't show up in game. You're like, okay, thank you for throwing up this. When, when, where were you when we need to do the lock up on defense? So that was one of mine. Aaron, do you got, do you got any ideas or a team that you think? I got three names. Um, oh. Oh. I can rattle off here. Um, the Memphis Grizzlies. Okay. I think a combo court of him and Jaron Jackson could be really interesting. I don't know how much they want to give up in terms of their depth, but right. I think the rotating door of Steven Adams, who we saw was unplayable in the playoffs, you're going to continue running into those scenarios. Um, I like what Brandon Clark does, but he's definitely a bench guy. Um, so yeah. you get some of a more reliable floor spacer um, with Miles Turner. I think two guys that can are essentially three and great, you know, defensive players and, Triple J and Turner would be sweet. Um, and then I got two in the East. I think the oh. Knicks are a, are a good spot just generally because they have the potential to re-sign him, uh, market that, you know, you could trade for him and ideally he would stay there. Uh, questions with a place like Memphis maybe for that question, but I think in New York they need a center. Uh, Mitchell Robinson's been playing well here and there, but is super injury prone. Um, and then the last one would be the other New York team in Brooklyn, Assuming they want to do everything they can to hold on to KD, they have needed a center since they constructed the roster the way they did. Um, I think Nick Claxton is fine as, you know, he could stay in the lineup as a four if they really wanted and go big, but he's not your ideal starting five. So Miles Turner would be nice there as well. Brooklyn's really interesting. I've always thought they should just run Ben Simmons at five and just, you know, like run. Uh, The Knicks are interesting. I think that uh, Tom Thibodeau just hates pace and space, though. And yeah, I yeah. think he wants he wants your like traditional like rim protector, Nerlens Noel, athletic like shot blocker. And and I think that's where you see the split between what the front office is doing long term versus what Tom Thibodeau wants in a year, then the last year of his contract possibly. Because um, yeah, I think I, like a million times. I think he might be gone officially after this year. Yeah, agreed. Um, okay, I lo- I do love the net, the Nets one because. Well, and so Carl Carlson, you brought it up. The Nets did play Ben Simmons basically at the five near the end of today's game against Portland, and it was pretty fun to watch. Just because he's running the sh- he runs the offense. Also, Ben Simmons has like played well the past two weeks. I mean, I don't want to. I hate being that guy, but he has, and I hate it. Um, they call like, me a madman. Yeah, I, they call I, me I, a madman. I I I looked at like the, I looked like the town fool for almost a year and a half now, saying that the Nets were going to be really good when Ben Simmons finds his groove, and they they have it is not shown in the wins and losses yet. Because nope. Kyrie Irving stole that team. It's not. Yeah, it's not great, but 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 it will get there. It will get there. I'm going to continue to push through. My stock is my stock is rising as we speak. There you go. My my two teams. One of them is OKC. I would love to see uh, – because he's an expiring contract at the end of the year. You give OKC an option to, one, compete for this year until you get a year uh, next year with Chet Holmgren, who is going to be hopefully the better version of Miles Turner. And then you get – so you have Miles Turner for this year to be a center because right now they're playing a guy named James Earl Robinson, and that man cannot play the floor at all. And that man is terrible. And Evan, I love you, but God, he's bad. And you're also probably starting Poku at the five, and that's just ugly because the man's 110 pounds wet. So that's one. The other one, it would mean moving on from your center that you've had since like 2017 – but the Portland Trailblazers, a team that has no defensive, no like rim uh, blocking in Nurkic. Nurkic is bad. Nurkic is very bad at defense. And for a team that could use some actual like defensive anchor, Turner could be that. A team that's been looking a little above what we've, another team that's looked a lot better than we've actually thought they would be. I think this could be a nice little like 
a buying t- that could be a team that's going to be buying here at the deadline. Give give up on the Nurkic project and get a guy who can space the floor for you. As we've said, be like be that optimal space, but also be a, a defensive anchor for you. I like that. I think Portland, at least for for the time being, can tap dance a little bit more just because Jeremy Grant's kind of been a little bit of a revelation. They've been they've been a little bit more switchable this year. True, and mm-hmm. actually, like it's been effective uh, for once. Yeah, in, and Josh in Hart has been great for them on defense too. Absolutely, they can tap dance a little more, but I do agree that it's going to show up at some point. Like at, like if if they make the playoffs, like someone's going to find that matchup and expose it. It all, yeah. like it, it, it will happen. It always does. Yeah. Yeah. And I think Nurkic fouls out. It seems like every time I watch a Portland game in big moments, more than anybody I've ever watched. I, I think Miles Turner is prone to that because he does just chase blocks a lot too. I think there is a bit of fool's gold with him as a defensive player. I don't, maybe he's improved this year. Candidly haven't been eyeing Miles Turner defensive possessions too keenly this year but from what i've seen in the past i think he's an awesome shot blocker and an okay defender i don't think he's like an a plus defender that would solve all of your issues i think he creates intimidation for defenses which maybe that's all you need um in that type of offense with a guy like jeremy grant who can guard pretty much any position josh hart same thing um but that is interesting because they could probably get away with a one-for-one swap um, maybe throwing a pick or something to incentivize. But in terms of like players, I don't know if they'd really have to give up much depth there. So that's interesting. What do you guys think about the Thunder? Uh, that's that's the one I'm mostly kind of curious about. Like, Carl, what did you what do you think about that? I just but you, you kind of said it yourself where like there's there's guys where you're like you're hope if you're the Thunder, you're hoping are basically some type of version of Miles Turner. Yeah. Just to get like what these guys could be for maybe a year and then you still have to go and resign him just seems like just like I don't think they years. resign him I think this is just yeah. a one year project with him I think yeah. this is just like the one year deal you get to hold over to make SGA happy uh, so that way it doesn't seem like they're playing losing basketball that's what I'm kind of taking it as I would say yeah but I just don't think he's enough to make SGA be completely content like if, like, if that's what it is it's a really like, say hey hey like he gets there. SJ loves playing with this guy and there's True. no intent for them to want to sign him back. That, that might do more damage to having Great him point. buy into your, the, everything that you want than just, you know, not even making that move in the first place. Like I would rather, I'd rather like, like have them like try to make sure they're buying into this process mm. instead of giving you like a fool's gold of like, this is what it could be. Like that's just, Fair. cause then he can just say, Hey, you know, players of the power, I can just go find that type of person somewhere else. And Fair enough. I think that's an awesome point. Um, I would also, if I were the Thunder, one with this question, I think you could see it two ways. One positive, one negative with Turner. One negative, he, is he like a hand handcuff to Chet at some point? Like if they would resign him in, in that trade scenario, like what do you do there? Chet's obviously number one guy. It's like, is it worth to have those two guys? We've seen Miles Turner in a, a twin tower scenario in the past. Didn't look awesome. Two, on the positive side, could it be insurance in the case that Chet is just unreliable for the rest of his career from an injury perspective? And then you have a fringe all-star center, um, and that's a benefit. And then you just continue to seek in the draft for that like next X-factor type of player. I think what they need more than anything is three-point shooting. They're like one of the worst three-point shooting teams (laughs) in the NBA. Just like start gathering any cheap three-point shooting wing that you can. Like that's what they should be doing. And then just wait on Chet to get healthy till next year. And that's going to help SGA too. Cause he just is drawing so much attraction. 
Um, I mean, you could say Miles Turner is that with at the Clippy shooting, but we talked about how that's not sustainable. So grab as many wing three point shooters as you can right now if you're the Thunder. Well, make a deal with get Buddy Hilde and Miles Turner. <laughs> there you go. Chat's not a five, man. I, I just I don't think he is. I think he's more of a three than a five. I like I, I I don't I I I he's just not he will get posted up and he will get abused if he plays a five at a full in a full time role. I I think he can be effective in some situations when the when the Thunder want to play drop and you're playing against like the, a pick and roll heavy lineup. Um, I think he I think he can be useful there, but against like a more like traditional size lineup, man, Chet cannot play five. That's why I think for there has to be some sort of, I mean, even like uh, Oklahoma City Thunder great Nerlens Noel, like there has to be somebody <laughs> on that roster that you are comfortable with putting at the starting five position and have that and have the Twin Towers be like your your starting lineup and, and and play chet at the five and spots i he he, he just can't be their, their full-time center in my opinion and that's and, and you're seeing that now with the worst version of chet and poku because poku is just as as strong as what chet is and it's it's very noticeable how teams can out rebound the thunder whenever they have him as their starting as the as their as their five i think if you get a five and make chet like your four I don't hate that idea either. That way you don't have to play as many Poku minutes and you can still have the the triple threat of Dort, SGA, and Giddy out there, all the others. So I think that's still something that should be in the cards as well for that team. Yeah, I love the idea of the Thunder being able to run them off down screens and in, in, in like a in yeah. almost a catch and shoot role and in, in, in putting like a an oversized big who's not very mobile in like just completely in jail. But yeah. I just I don't I he, he can't be a five. I, I don't think he can be a full time five. And especially if you're relying on his I mean, health notwithstanding, like <laughs> we'll see. If he can gain like 70 pounds, then then sure. He just he can't go pound for pound with with, with a five. There, there's too many matchup items there. Fair enough. Um okay. We've hit we've hit our NBA talk, and this is what we do with every guest ever each guest we have on. We have the NBA finals prediction. We had this for you guys a few times last year. Carl, we're going to start with you. We're going to hit you up first. What is your finals prediction for this year? All right. Uh, you guys are going to love this one. Oh, um, God. Yeah. Celtics Nuggets. Let's go! <laughs> It'll ruin this podcast and we will never be able to record again. <laughs> Celtics Nuggets. Um, just more so from... I, I don't know what it is about the Denver Nuggets, but like mm-hmm. I so it's more so I have an agenda that I've been pushing. I was like, they have enough where like eventually things are gonna click for them in the playoffs yep. and they can just make that step. And I am eventually just like I'm just trying to cash out on this one. I've been saying this <laughs> for so long that the Nuggets, I'm like, they're building something there, they're building something there. I'm like, can I please see it this year? I would love to. Because we have right now, who's who's number one right now? The Suns? Yeah, that's not Suns. happening. They're gonna they're gonna implode at some point. No. Right. Um, Everyone else in Western Conference still figuring it out. I mean, there's a lot of basketball to play, but I need Jokic to get there, man. I need it. Yep. Absolutely need it. There's someone who, who's been a big-bodied player myself uh, in my playing days. I need it there. Um, and then on the Eastern Conference, and maybe a little bit biased because I did turn on a little bit of this game on my phone. Um, yeah. Just the Celtics. Just the Celtics look like a machine. It, it's it, – there's so much fun to watch. Just J.B., Tatum. Tatum's also the only hope for a, a domestic MVP this year. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Dude, he, he's putting up the numbers for it right now, too. But, yeah. you know, they're Aaron's favorite player on the Celtics, Sam Hauser, uh, turning into Duncan Robinson out here. So <laughs> we, we love we love those moments. 
Who uh, wins? Uh, who wins? Yeah, Celtics who wins? or Nuggets, Carl? <laughs> Please start this argument. <laughs> All right, so I'm actually gonna go. Uh, I'm gonna go with the Nuggets. I've got an agenda to push. I told you that. I told you that. Wow. I told you before we started this. I have an agenda to push. I would. I would Ooh, love dang. that. I'm. I'm surprised by that pick, but I would love that. All right, Andrew. I'm. I'm gonna have a super interesting pick and go Suns Bucks. I mean, for me, it was take your <laughs> take your pick. Take your pick between uh, take your pick between Celtics or Bucks out, out of the East. I mean, I, for me, it's just simple. I just think they're going to get Chris Middleton back at a pretty advantageous time. Yeah, um, yep. and that's going to that that's going to be like a big deal. And like the Bucks defensively this year, it's been talked about before on, on a couple other podcasts and pointed out by a couple other people who cover the team. But their three point defense has just gotten so much better this year. Um, yep, and 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 that that's a big deal. Um, I think in the playoffs they they were able to get run off the floor pretty easily by teams that would get hot. I think now that they now that they have kind of figured that out a little bit more. The, the only question is, does Giannis get tired? Uh, like, he no, is, he, is he just never get fatigued. High. Maybe I mean until someone puts a ladder in front of the hoop. But I just I don't I don't know. I I think that I think the Bucks will get Middleton back at an advantageous time if Giannis does not get tired. They are a seasoned team. And I, again, the Celtics are incredible. I wouldn't; it would not shock me whatsoever if they did make it. But I, I think there will be a couple. There will be a learning curve for for Joe Missoula in the in the playoffs. Um, yep. Out of the West, Suns. I just I think for me, it doesn't see it doesn't like look like it on surface level. But I do think Booker's taken another leap this year. Like I think he's like now kind of that certified closer. They don't really need Chris Paul as much as they did. Um, like they're winning games with campaign pretty regularly. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. The only question is if if like DeAndre Ayton is locked in. Like if DeAndre Ayton is locked in, and that's always been the question, I think, for like the last 20 years. But um if if, if he's if entire he's good, life. I, right, exactly. <laughs> I think that they're they are a they are so good defensively. And I think Mikhail Bridges is the most underrated player in the league. And I don't even think it's really close either. Like the way he impacts games, he takes offensive flow he stops offensive flow so easily like just by tipped balls out of bounds like when teams are rolling and just like getting his hands on balls like getting people unsure of their passes like he is so good and he impacts every single aspect of the game and that is so big in the playoffs um i i i'm i am a i am a sun's believer this year and i know like so are like 300 million other people but um but yeah i I gotta go with that on the west aaron you go mitch oh god Okay. Um, every time we've done this, I've stuck with the mixture of you two in the Bucks Nuggets. And my my thought process is I agree with Carlson. The Bucks still haven't had Chris Milton back, and that's their second best player on their team. And I I don't and I think when they get him back, it'll be incredible. Because when is when is it when is it projected he's coming back? Like January? He's rejoined the team already. So I oh I, well I, ignore I, me. I, I, so I think it's it, he's rejoined the team, but I, I don't know like what his status is in terms of like contact. I just know that he's been recalled from the herd. Okay, so we'll probably see it soon here, and that's if we can see the close to fifty forty ninety version we've seen of Chris Milton over the past years. It's over. It's dangerous, and it's going to suck. And I know it's going to hurt me to my core whenever Chris Milton's the one who hits the game winning dagger against the Celtics in the Eastern Conference Finals. So the Bucks are my pick. And I'm I'm sticking with the Nuggets, and here's why. Aaron, I'm sure you saw the tweet today or the tweet of the records from home and away for both these teams. The the Suns have played 12 games at home and only seven games on the road. They're 11 and one at home and two and five on the road. 
the Nuggets have only played six games at home and 13 games on the road. And they have only one less loss. I mean, one more loss than the Suns. I love what this Nuggets team has done. And I'm a firm believer, and I've, I've said it so many times before in this, at, the end of these, uh, at the end of these podcasts, what a team does at the beginning of the season is all about their offense. It's what we hit like January and February is when, what, how does their defense look when it comes January, February? That's what we saw with the Mavericks and the Celtics last year. They're both their defenses got so much better. And I feel like that's what we're going to see out of this Nuggets team as well. If we can get Michael Porter Jr. to pass the Quinn Cook test of can he stay in front of him more than more than two times out of 10, that'd be beautiful. But honestly, that's the only, that's the only worry part I have on that defense. Otherwise, the team only needs a backup center for Jokic, and that's where we—that's where my my biggest worry lies, and that will continue to lie there. Except my my one guy that we wanted so badly, and Demarcus Cousins just went overseas to Taiwan to play play against to play against Dwight Howard. So you know what? I just just screw me there. So I find a find a, find a backup center, Nuggets, and then we're fine. Just get Dusty Balls, uh, DeAndre Jordan out of your out of your backup center role, and then we're good. They might not even need a backup center this year because. I, I was concerned about that equally, and I just think they're going to completely get rid of it come playoff time and play eight guys, nine guys, and Jeff Green will play small ball, and Jokic will play like 45 minutes a game, and right, <laughs> it'll be okay. But um, it would be great to have Boogie back, that's for sure. Um, God, two people picking the Nuggets in the finals is scary, and I assume you have the Bucks winning, Mitch. Did you say I that? I do. I'm sorry. I do have I do have the Bucks winning uh, winning another one here in the 20, 20, 2020s. Um but I, I think we ha- we haven't seen this team without we haven't seen this team with Middleton in a in a minute, and I I think people forget how good that guy is for that team and how good that pick and roll duo is of him and Giannis. It is a masterpiece. So I I worry about how how much MPJ is going to be put into <laughs> pick and rolls on that, and also just get ran over by Giannis. So and all yeah. and us and all his four Mizzou uh, fans are going to just get hurt inside every time that happens. Yeah, I uh, uh, the reason the football I'll add about the Bucks too is it's like I always love playing my chances with the teams where it's like they're so savvy where it's like, hey, could they sign my dad and have him be an effective <laughs> role player around their great <laughs> player? And the Bucks are that team. Like they, the Warriors do it well. I, the Nuggets to some degree, the Celtics to some degree, but they've like in in recent years have had have had um, some some bumps off the bench. But like like Marjan Bochamp, like he is putting together some effective minutes for the Bucks right now in an absence of Chris. Big Curry. fan of him. Yeah, yeah, like it, it, like they, like they find like guys, like and they just they yeah, cycle them through. And it, 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 more is another one, and it doesn't matter if they leave or if they stay. Like they're just going to replace them with someone else who does the same exact thing, and they're going to continue to be like a borderline sixty win team. And the rinse and repeat is and exactly. And I say the other thing, and I say this not just because the Timberwolves got their shit kicked in by them today, but the Warriors look out for them because Clay is starting to look more like himself, and that is a scary thing for the league. Offensively, yes. defensively, not. I haven't seen the defensive side of it. The offensive Offens- side, I agree. Offensively is all they need. I mean, honestly, like offensively right now is like all they need. Um, and and they, I, I feel like they're going to be a team where like middle of the season they're going to put together like thirteen or fourteen straight wins, uh, just because they get scalding hot and like they're going to find their way into the top five. And and we'll kind of be talking about them out of the West as well eventually. Fair enough. Yeah, I think they're letting up the most points per game, or one of the most points per game in the West. Not not the most because. Fucking San Antonio Spurs are averaging over 121 <laughs> opponent I, points per game. Somehow. I might be going to a San Antonio game later this year, and I'm excited just to watch 130 or 132 later this year. So. Oh my lord! But they're like bottom five. Um, 
It is interesting. I never know where to stand on the whole don't worry about defense thing quite yet. With the Warriors, I think there's a case for it because year after year, we worry about their defense and we worry about their turnovers during the regular season. And then it turns out not to be as big of an issue in the playoffs. With the Nuggets, I think that's more wishful thinking. Um, And I do still have concerns about that. And part of me just wants to fade my um, emotional steering (laughs) Uh, so, so I think I'm I'm going to go somewhere else in the West in the East. I'm going with the bucks as well. Um, for all the reasons you guys said, but one specific reason as well is Brooke Lopez. I forgot how valuable this dude was. And I think he's like having an even better season when pre-injury two years ago last year. I mean, God, he was so needed on that team. We saw time after time, like they tried to fill it with Ibaka. They tried to fill other guys in there and it just didn't work. They signed Boogie to a 10-day contract, didn't work. Um, And it just put a lot more pressure on Giannis. And now Lopez is like leading the league in blocks by a pretty wide margin, I believe. Um, Three-point percentage is way, way up there. Efficiency is all over the place. So like once they get Chris back, having their original starting five is great. I worry a bit about their depth. But other than that, like I'm fine betting on Giannis. Out West, I'm going with the Pelicans. Um, God, you you have a massive boner for the New Orleans <laughs> Pelicans, and it's not even close. <laughs> they they were my preseason darling. Um, I already have a bet on them to win the NBA Finals. I don't know if they'd beat the Bucks <laughs> in that matchup, but I do like them to get there, honestly. For the reasons we talked about with the Suns, uh, I'm concerned about their performance away from home. In the playoffs last year, they didn't win a single game. Uh, away from home in that second round series against the Mavs. Um, so I think that's a real issue. And I think their depth is a real issue now with Cam Johnson out and Chris Paul really not being himself. Denver, I worry about the defense. And um, the Pelicans have defense out the wazoo, length out the wazoo. They're young. They have three or four guys that can go get you a bucket. And we haven't even seen the best of CJ McCollum this year. He started really, really poorly. Once he starts to play well, uh, this team is a whole different whole different team. So I really, really like the Pelicans. I had the Clippers, I think, here previously, but more and more I'm just relying on the potential of Kawhi Leonard to get back. Um, and I'll I'll go with what I actually see now. So the Pelicans are my shocker out of the West. That's a shocker. You just put your money in crypto, Aaron. <laughs> I, I, I'm all right. F, F, FTX or whatever it was just like completely shit the bed. So I'm I'm completely never going to invest in crypto after that. <laughs> yeah, well, your money might work for you better. I mean, I guess leave this podcast if I'm wrong. No, I mean it's it, it's like it's like plus it's ridiculous odds. Like they're as the third best team in the West, and I think a top, I think a team that could realistically make the Western Conference Finals. Their odds are just were way too high, um, and so I think just defensively they have a lot more to offer than a lot of these teams. And I think they have four fringe top 50 guys. And Mitch and I have talked about it repeatedly, but I don't think there's another team in the NBA like that other than the Cavs. Um, and so when you have the ability to put up that high end of talent and back it up with all this depth, and that's young depth as well, so less less injury concerns outside of Zion, hopefully, um, I feel really confident. And I think they have a good coach too. Um, I honestly have my concerns with Michael Malone as a coach. Um just because I think he he he's really reluctant to trust young talent and the way he subs bench roles like in the playoffs is not very not very good. Like he just does like hockey lineups where he subs out all five guys and in the playoffs <laughs> you can't do that. So if he continues to do that like he has in the past, that's not a winning strategy. 
looks like your actual like two K your two K roster right. when you're putting yeah. your bench the bench squad in. <laughs> That's the most aggravating thing about two K. Um, <laughs> okay, so we got a Celtics Nuggets. Thank you, Carl, for having that in us. I I thank you for that fear in my heart. Um, yeah, Carlson's. I'm gonna. I need to start writing these down just so we have a running list of each of one of there our guests. Um, and then we got Carlson with the repeat of the 2020 finals with the Bucks, uh, Suns. Bucks Nuggets here, and then another Bucks, but then the stupid Pelicans. We'll figure that one out. And we oh, need to put you. In, we need to put you in a, in a rehab for your just love for the Pelicans <laughs> at this point. I feel like that's just what we need. What needs to go on? No, just wait, man. I'm telling you, they're they, they basically almost beat the Suns last year. Albeit, yes, I know Booker was out. Yeah, yeah, but that was like their first foray into the playoffs for, for basically any of those guys outside of McCollum. So that experience, a great coach. The West, that is so weird. Like anything can happen. I think in the East, it's pretty hard to come up with any case for a team other than the Bucks or the Celtics. Um, even the Cavs, I think it's really hard to come up with a case. In the West, I would honestly not be shocked by, you know, if anybody won. I think it's completely open. Fair enough. So we have a. I don't know if you. Oh, go ahead, Dimitri. No, I was just saying, can we have another six seed like the Rockets were in the 90s to make the, make the finals at this point? I will <laughs> say, uh, light the beam. <laughs> no, don't don't get no, me on this because I love there. I love the Kings, and then there. I saw the Celtics just dismantle <laughs> them and ruin their bones. I was like, wait, they're not mm-hmm. good. They just played against bad teams, which we they well play. back to the Carlson conversation we had earlier this podcast. Not bad teams, just in bad <laughs> light situations. The, <laughs> light the beam. I was about to say, Aaron. I don't uh-huh. know if it's, it's always sunny in Philadelphia, but I think Aaron's going to be like rickety cricket, where it's like every year after year he puts his faith in the in the Pelicans, and he's yep. going to end up like rickety cricket and by see like season eight. I like that. I like that comp. Yeah. Um, I mean, I'm, I'm all in on the Pelicans right now, so I, I could very well end up in an insane asylum in a few years. Or who knows? I love <laughs> but, it though. It's different. You're zagging. Yep. I mean, yeah, I just like, I like the Suns pick, but like, you aren't worried about Chris Paul at all. You aren't worried about Cam Johnson and no depth at all. And Cameron like Payne in the playoffs. Again, I do think I think it's like one of those things where it's like I think you have you have Devin Booker at this point who can kind of take some of the load off Chris Paul. I know Chris Paul is kind of relied on like in, as the late game cerebral person who can like take advantage of the miss like the coach on the floor who can take advantage of the mismatches. But I don't know. I think from from the way that they have closed out games earlier this year and the way that they're winning games with campaign as a starter. Again, I cannot emphasize that enough. Um, that's that's important. But also too, I I think Mikhail Bridges has also taken that next step. Mm. Like I I I don't think like I think it's it can't be said enough, like how much he frustrates teams. Like right. that, that, that goes for something like he, he it, like the sequences he puts together, like, he'll finish with 19 and six, but like three of those will be on a tipped ball that goes into the hands of campaign who sends it up the floor. And then he hits a three to put the lead up to nine when it was previously six. Like those are things that like, those are the plays that he makes. It finds the play that can like bring them. Over the top. So I, I, I do. I like them I, again. I'm kind of like a, like not very, not very unique whatsoever. But so I've got one question for you. I got one question for you. So when is the inevitable Chris Paul injury that drops his performance in the playoffs? Is it round one? Is it the next round? Is it finals? We might see him start limping in game eighty. I don't know. Is it? Is it the finals? (laughs) Like it's like every year, Chris Paul has. I I get it. Everybody's banged up. Older soreness. At some point, he gets something where it's just it's either for lack of a better word, a cop-out of why he's not Chris Paul. It happens every single year. Just when is it happening this year? Paul George ice on the shoulder in the post-game press conference. 
Yeah, something like that. <laughs> I don't know. It might it, it might happen, but I just I think that I think that the continued advancement of those two guys that, that are, are is a big deal. Like they're they are a defensive system. Like their defensive system works. Like I'm I'm just I'm I'm big on if you are a team that has a system that has proven to be one that works. Like the Suns are that. Um, yeah. that's a team that I like to buy stock in. They also have a Jay Crowder trade still left to make. So whenever that happens, that hopefully they get a, a guard that's playable in this world. So we'll we'll, we'll hope that's <laughs> that's 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 a that's a move they make. Um, but thank you guys for coming on. We appreciate it. We'll have you guys on very soon, um, probably right after the new year. But thank you guys for coming back on. This has been too long, and so we appreciate you guys coming on. Uh, where can the people find you on on the Twitter? Carl, you want to go first? Yeah, I mean, uh, for me, uh, Twitter, yeah. at Buckets District. You know, always there, always uh, produce some content. We we have our sites on uh, a little under, like, 290-something, I think, followers to get to that 1K mark. You know, we're really trying there we to go. be nice to hit that around the new year or sometime into the new year. Uh, is that there? And then Andrew? Yeah, you can find me at Andrew underscore Carlston, too. I'm doing a lot of Wolf stuff this year, specifically a lot of uh, – Doing, putting out weekly pieces, um, pouring out my heart when <laughs> they are down 30 at home to the Suns, um, and also when they are simultaneously manhandling the Pacers. So uh, depending on the night, you'll, you may want to you may want to tune in. Fair enough. Thank you guys for coming on. Uh, Aaron and I will be right back with a little bit of cereal and brews right after this. We are back with a little cereal and brews. And Aaron, it's been three weeks since we've been able to record a podcast together. Last week it was me minute. and Adam Johnson, and then two weeks ago we took a little break. Um, but it's it's great to have us back on the back on a Zoom call together and uh, finally be doing this again. Yes, it is great. It has been a while. My work's been crazy. We had the holiday. The puppy's been nuts. There's been so many different things preventing me from doing this but i'm I'm glad to be back here with you finally and and talking the nba as always yeah and just catch it up on life i know we texted a little bit and you bring up the puppy and i've heard it was uh, a little hectic up in the great old state of wisconsin with a good old otis oh yeah he's he's a handful um generally he's a very good dog but he goes through these stretches and i think it's partially due to being in a new place i think there was some of this in columbia when we all saw each other Certainly some of this uh, in Wisconsin this past weekend, for example, threw up on Madison on the way up there. Oh, my gosh. I uh, believe he was high, and that was maybe why. For the, for those who don't know, my dog loves marijuana for some reason or another. Loves loves the pot. <laughs> no, I don't smoke. No, my girlfriend doesn't smoke, but he seems to find it in, in the legalized city that is Chicago. On the street, <laughs> wherever we go, he smells it. He goes running for it. So he ends up finding it somewhere or another, and we noticed the ramifications. I think it's very possible. He's high right now, actually, um, <laughs> cause he's been asleep for four or five hours. So, um, I think that caused that, that puke incident, but other than that, he was just nuts. Um, like he woke us up, it was up all night, you know, in the hotel, we had to have the hotel desk call us and say like, Hey, there's a dog barking near your room. Apparently is there any way to calm that down? Like that type of stuff. And, um, he was, yeah, it was just a lot, lot to handle, uh, alongside all the family. Uh, but it was, he's good. And so it's, it's a work in progress. Obviously puppies, a lot of work. Um, but 
I think we're doing a decent job. So every day is a new day and I think we continue to get better. So, um, but yeah, it's, it's definitely, definitely a lot. <laughs> I don't doubt it. And I look forward to when I come up and stay with you guys for the first time after having Otis. And so I look forward to not having to like hear the barking, hopefully by that time, hopefully no. we can just get it. <laughs> he's, but he's I- great here. Like it's just a new spot. So when he's when he's in a new location, he's just really anxious. I think so. First night in Columbia, he was like that. Yeah. Um, first night in Wisconsin, he was like that. Generally here, he doesn't bark all night. Um, right. So you shouldn't have any issues with that. Well, Hopefully. I'm hoping so. <laughs> yeah. In, in, unless for some reason you make him more anxious, which is possible because he does how... not like he does not like men generally. Oh God, love that for me. <laughs> Love that, but he seemed um, to not. He seemed to not dislike you. Yeah, no, I feel like whenever you know, it helps when my dad's around, taking up all the attention whenever we're right. in Columbia, so that always helps. Um, but I'm, I'm sorry for how it is the learning curve of trying to have a dog in the city and then trying to also like equate it to new, uh, get it familiar to new places and familiar mm-hmm. to places that are not so new to you. But like, this is where you're gonna be every now and then, like for a few holidays mm-hmm. here and there, and whether it be in Iowa city or Wisconsin, it's just like trying to make right. sure he's, he's in the right spot. Yeah. It's just very hit or miss. You know, like there was a, for example, we had like the way we did Thanksgiving, Madison's family did Thanksgiving is what's called the progressive dinner. I don't know if mm. you've ever heard of that. No, basically like you break up the Thanksgiving shenanigans across different locations. So like we had appetizers at one fa- one part of the family's place. We had dinner at another house and then desserts and drinks at the last at another house at the end. And so we took him to the first house and they have a huge great Pyrenees dog who's nine months old puppy, 90 pounds, absolutely Gosh. massive. Like your old self would be terrified of this dog. Yes. And they were great, played outside the whole time. And then we actually let him in and there was a huge amount of people there and he was really great, like really chill. And I think it was just because he wasn't like his location. He didn't have any asserted dominance over that where he could be protective. I think the issue comes when he is like, all right, it's in the car. Like, I know this place and this is kind of mine. He sees it as his. And then he is a little bit more protective and and stir crazy and whatever else. So I think it's getting him used to all of that. But um, it is a lot of work. And I think part of it's too like balancing, not spending our entire energy taking care of the dog and also still having lives and, and doing stuff. And um, I, I think that's a tricky balance as a, as a new dog parent that we've been trying to tackle. Parenting. It's, it's really tough, man. You know, yeah. it's, it sounds, it sounds like a, it could be rough out there. And so, yeah, we're condoms. Um, anyways, <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I'm, I'm glad you had a fun Thanksgiving though in Wisconsin. That seems like, it seems like you guys still had fun even with the dog, just the dog. No, yeah, it was great. Um, I got a cigar uh, from the St. Croix Cigar Shop that I'm looking forward to smoking this evening. Um, Jeff is Madison's stepdad. Always a great time to hang out with him. Uh, obviously, Kendra, her mom is fantastic. And the rest of the rest of the crew is always great. Um, couldn't have asked for better meals and better company and all of that. So, yeah, it was great. But enough about me, man, and my trip. Uh, how was How was your family? It was good. Uh, this was my first Thanksgiving uh, as a non-single man in God knows how long. And I got to finally bring someone uh, to like the holidays. And so it was great. Uh, third Wednesday night, we got to spend time with uh, Susanna's family and uh, 
like just her sisters and we just got to spend time with them and like the little and her nieces. And so it was a lot of fun doing that. They were just going crazy. And so I was a little distraction so that way their, her, their parents could be enjoy the time with their, their family. And then Thursday I came back over and the one of both the Susanna sisters were running in the Turkey track. Remember when we, when we did that, yep. remember when we, I put you through that misery oh, yeah. <laughs> and, <laughs> and so they were doing that. Thursday morning. And so Susanna and I and her dad like made breakfast for the girls and just hung out with them. And then Thursday went over to my Aunt Linda's house and hung out with my dad's side of the family. And then that night we hung out with her mom's side of the family. And then the next day I, we drove out to Innsbruck, spent it with my mom's family. And then the weekend was basically just spent the rest of the weekend was spent out there. Um, the cell boys participated in a a pickleball tournament out there, which had like 44 or 42 people playing in it, which was kind of crazy. Evan and I fought valiantly, did not make it uh, past round four. And then my dad just right before the championship felt a, felt a little pop in the knee. And he was just like, yeah, I'm going to be done for a little bit here. So uh, we decided to bow out uh, to uh, stop any further injury. And it was probably for the best. So um, it's uh, it was sad, but we couldn't bring home uh another trophy for pickleball like my brother did two years ago, but you know, we'll, we'll come back for the Christmas tournament better than ever. And uh, it'll be good, but no, it was, it was an overall good weekend. Um, can't complain. And I am already looking forward to the next holiday and this next month, which is going to be crazy busy. And I am looking forward to it and also just going to be super stressed and I can already feel it. <laughs> who, who ended up winning the pickleball tournament? Anybody I know. Uh, no, or getting would- close to knowing. Uh, no, you would not know uh, any of the guy. It wasn't like the uh, it wasn't uh, the dickhead who who talked the older guy who talks right, a lot. That guy. Uh, yeah. No, it wasn't him. And frat boy. That no, wasn't uh, yeah, fifty year old frat guy. It was <laughs> who what, who did win? I'm now blanking. Oh no, you wouldn't have known. And I didn't even know the guy who won. It was a newer guy who would, mm-hmm. who was new to the new to the Innsbruck pickleball scene. But it was okay. it was but it was good and clearly because he won. But no, it was, it was a good turnout, and I'm excited. Uh, weirdly, like the Christmas ones have been like warmer than the Thanksgiving ones. However, this this, this Thanksgiving ones can be hard to beat with how warm right. it was for it was this beautiful. one. Oh, it was beautiful weather. So yeah. I'm excited. Uh, and plus, my uncle Andy will be in town for the uh, the Christmas one, so we'll actually Ooh. have a, a group of four of us to play together. So it'll be good. I'm I'm excited for it all. Yeah, Andy's good. Uh, very oh, competitive, yes. and oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, he loves that stuff. That'll be so. So it'll be you and Evan and Andy and Kurt then. Yeah, that'll be the pairings. We for this weird tournament, it was like a round robin thing. So there's like a group of four of you, and you play with everyone at the at the at the at your court. So you had like different partners for each game. So it wasn't like you had a set partner for the tournament. Okay. So then you counted up how many wins you had after each like round, and like after like the few rounds you play, it was like the next, the most wins move on to like the next round. And so you just okay. had to continue doing it. And so we, Evan and I made it pretty far. It was just one, I had really one bad slip up and it just, I had one really bad, like group of games. All choke job. Oh, it, dude. It was like early on. Like I had a one win early on. So like the first two rounds you play together and like, that's what you group together. I had one win in the first group of game three. And I was like, Oh my God, this is going to suck. And then it won all three games the next round. I was like, Oh, okay. So that's, that's what brought it back. And so, yeah, it was just, mm. it was a really hit or miss weekend. And it was just like, really, it was unfortunate with that, but it's all good. Yeah. We, we move on as better people because of it. Totally. Yeah. I, uh, at some point I'm going to need to get in one of those tournaments. I think I would love doing that. Um, 
you I, you were good when you were you down here for during the summer. It was it was a lot of fun to have you playing. Yeah, I don't know if there's a pickleball community here in Chicago. I'd imagine there must be, but there's so many other rec sports. America. Right. There's so many other rec sports. It's like I know there's tennis stuff going on, but I'm going to get more into golf. That's like my New Year's resolution, um, <laughs> which seems like an easy New Year's resolution to to accomplish. Um, but I think like I'm going to Cancun for for Christmas, and I want to right. golf down there. But I literally live like across from a golf course right now. So the next time you're in town, if it's nice, not in the winter, we should go. Um, but I just I want to make it a thing for myself to get into that old man sport uh old man sport mode like like you are with pickleball it's it's good because pickleball it feels like an old man sport but it's apparently weak on the knees it it makes you weak in the knees so we try to figure out that one um but yeah no we i'm glad we both had great thanksgiving time we're hoping you all did as well um thank you guys for listening to this podcast it's great to have us back together here and coming up we'll we'll, we're going to keep it kind of keep you guys updated as we keep going i know it's gonna be kind of crazy for both of us coming up here so whether it's just me whether it's just aaron with whoever we're excited for that uh please follow us on twitter at hooper's almanac just to keep up with everything that's going on um and yeah thanks to you guys for listening uh go celtics go nuggets go wizards mm-hmm. and go timberwolves i can't believe i said that last one but i guess i'll have to um just for carlson but yeah thank you guys go for listening yeah yeah you're right thank you guys for listening have a great rest of your week